Welcome to the Hope City Church Podcast. We're so excited for you to listen along and hear this week's message. We pray it inspires and motivates and draws you closer to Jesus. Let's take a listen. It is, uh, it is great to be here again with you all. It's uh, very humbling. It's wonderful to see what you've done with the place. And uh, uh, the worship service, the exhortations from, from the brother that came up, from Jake, from, from Jennifer, from whomever, were just life-giving moments. So yeah. thank you all for being here. And we trust that there are good things for you. And in starting, it looks like you could probably bear with a little bit of Old Testament. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask the guys to see if they can find Daniel chapter 10. I didn't warn them of this. I'm going to speak to you for a very few minutes about, about forgiveness in a minute. Is there something wrong? Move me over. What is with you people? <laughs> Sit down, son. <laughs> we want to do what's right, so move, move me wherever you want me to be. Just know I'm going to yank your... <laughs> I'm going to yank your chain after a while. Uh, we're going to talk about forgiveness. But I want to make this, this point right here. Forgiveness is probably the primary need we all have in our life. It's motivated by the love of God. But every day of your life, you need forgiveness. You need forgiveness from God. You need forgiveness from others. And you need to be able to give that forgiveness. But if you don't come to terms with that, you grow accustomed to going through life and holding the bad emotions off, holding your disappointments away, holding your disappointments with yourself. Jesus did say you're supposed to love your neighbor as you love yourself. And if you don't love you, anything else you try and love is going to be flawed. So, so, yeah, you've got to forgive you for what you did. You've got to forgive you for what you didn't do. And sometimes forgiving you for what you didn't do, what you didn't know, what you didn't see, is harder than the things that you're aware of. So, Father, we do open up our hearts and minds. I trust you to say what you wish to say in me and through me. Let it not be anything more. Let it not be anything less. Guide us into your truth. Comfort the hearts of your people. Show forth your love to them and strengthen them with the might of your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, depending on how you might want to read this, Daniel chapter 9, chapter 10, Daniel's having a conversation with a supernatural being. And I would, I would tell you that the being he's talking to is a pre-incarnate version of the Lord Jesus Christ. If for nothing more then the clothes he has on are the same ones that Jesus has on in Revelation chapter 1. So also it fits in there that when Daniel begins to speak to this being, he doesn't call him Gabriel or use one of the other angels that he's made reference of earlier on. So you can decide what you want. It's unclear. There's a lot of different opinions about it. But for me, it's, it's the Lord Jesus. Daniel's looking for an answered prayer. He's fasting. He's praying. His heart is grieved. So he's fasting. He's praying. Uh, and he's looking for some answers, this being shows up. And it says in verse 18, again, one having the appearance of a man, this is the same guy, touched me and strengthened me. 
And he said, O man greatly beloved. O man greatly beloved. I don't know if Daniel knew that before all this started. O man greatly beloved, fear not, peace be with you, be strong and of good courage. And when he had spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. Now, the details, even the conversation, even what's going on is not really the point that I want to make to you. What I want to make to you is the sequence of these words. I, I wonder if you could fear not, for instance, if you didn't come to terms first with the fact that you yourself were greatly beloved. If you don't know you're loved, you're going to have trouble with fear trying to creep into you all of your life. If you're so aware of your faults, your inadequacies, your own personal disappointments, you're going to stumble a lot, and you're going to find yourself in need of God intervening, which is a wonderful thing he does in the fears of your life. He said, fear not, peace be with you. We all have a need for peace, don't we? And we go through life sometimes, I don't know about you, but I have questions, I have mistakes, I have all sorts of things I have to work through in my life, just like you do. And, and sometimes I have peace with it, sometimes I don't. Sometimes I think I've got something settled, and I go back and rehash it all. I go back all over again, and it's like I never had done that math problem before. I've got to do it all over again and learn the same lesson. So he said, greatly beloved, fear not, peace be with you. Then he says, be strong. We all need strength. Sometimes we pray for someone to have strength. It's a good thing to pray for. It's the right thing to pray for. I just wonder if I would be stronger, if I would fear less, if I knew that I was loved, if I knew that I was greatly beloved. And I do want to tell you this. You are greatly beloved. You probably don't feel like you deserve the great appellation. You probably don't think you deserve to be greatly beloved. You're probably okay thinking you're loved with the crowd in some generic fashion. But that's not what this is saying. This is saying whether you ever live up to it or not, Daniel was greatly beloved, and he wasn't just greatly beloved because of how he performed. Although your performance does enter in, but you know what? Daniel didn't do anything other than try and be Daniel. He just was himself to the best way he could be. And I guarantee you, I guarantee you the God who levels the playing field for us all. If you just try and be the best Christian you you can be, one day you're going to hear him say to you in the darkest moment of your time, hello, greatly beloved, greatly beloved. I can see where you're a bit intimidated by this. I got these fancy clothes on, he says. I can see where you're overwhelmed because your friends ran away, but you stayed. You've fallen down on the ground, but just, just so that you're not completely overwhelmed, you are praying to a supernatural being who is listening to what you say, who's coming along and intervening in your life. And he says, let's just start with first things first. Don't be afraid of me in that sense because you are yourself greatly beloved. Fear not. Be strong and of good courage. And then like Daniel, when he speaks to your heart, 
you revive yourself. You were down, facing the earth, but there came a moment when you were able to get up. Loved ones, really loved ones, so much is going to happen in the future that none of us can actually pinpoint and describe and define. All I can say to you, and I say this with, from the depth of my heart, is that someday you're going to have to know how to be a Christian all by yourself. You're going to have to know how to be a Christian when everybody else abdicates and runs away and you're left standing by yourself or you're left on your face by yourself. You're going to have to do this, and to do this, you're going to have to come to terms with the fact that you're okay, that you are respected, that though you have not functioned perfectly, though you have not realized all of the gifts and the grace that he's put into your life, that in truth, they're still there, and God is not unrighteous nor unfaithful. He will not forget about you. He does not give up on you. He never leaves you, fails you nor forsakes you. He'll be right there with you to show you that and strengthen you. Now, how do you know? I don't know what Daniel's particular case was, but how do most of us know that we're greatly beloved? How do we know that we're greatly beloved in our marriages, in our families, on our jobs, counting our performance, wondering what the boss is going to think if we screw something up? We know we're loved. We know we've been made accepted, in our case, by the beloved. We know we're okay if we're forgiven our humanity, if we're forgiven our mistakes, if we're forgiven our bad intent or our accidents. So I want to link the idea, two of them really here together, with you knowing that you're forgiven because you're greatly loved, you letting yourself open up and receive that great love. So that it didn't drain out the next time you stuck your foot in your mouth. So that your tank didn't run empty when you got frustrated and didn't live up to your own standards. So that when you failed, you knew it was okay to get back up and try again to be the person you knew that you innately, that you inside, that you could be if you were your best version of yourself. And then I want to tell you that that is the nature of your father, whose name we hallowed and celebrated earlier. That is the nature of God himself. And as it says in Matthew 5, as his child, you're supposed to be just like that. That to, in the long game, receive that kind of forgiveness, you have to be willing to forgive. Forgive is a very strong word. It means to send something away. There's a verse in uh, the Gospel of Matthew in the Lord's Prayer, which is not, uh, it's not really baby food stuff, though many of us learned it in school, I think. Many of us of my generation did anyway. But uh, I'm going I'm to read this out of Matthew chapter 6. And I'm going to start with verse 9. I'm reading out of the Revised Standard Version, and I don't think it's going to make too much difference what we're looking at. He's got the ESV. I, uh, 
just happened to have this in the car with me, so forgive me for not thinking through to bring a living Bible. But he says, pray then like this. This is what Jesus said. Our Father, the plural pronouns are in this prayer like 10 or 11 times. I've forgotten. I counted them once, but it's, there's a lot of hours. There's a lot of, there's a lot of we's in this, in this prayer. Bigger than me. I never got a wee me award my whole life. I don't know. I want to, I want to, I got a, I got a baseball trophy one time, but I never got a Weeby award. I feel better already. Wait a minute. Does it have an obligation? <laughs> Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. When I learned that in 1958, I thought, that's the funniest name I ever heard. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Now, I, I want you to notice just quickly that this is, this is cascading down a certain direction, and it hits a rock foundation and springs up later the other direction. He says, hallowed be your name. It was wonderful to be with you this morning and celebrate the name like we did, to put our focus off of ourselves, to bring our focus on to the Lord. And after we have his name established, we've opened up ourselves for his kingdom, for his rule to come, his Rule always follows his presence, and his presence is identified with his name. It says, your will be done. We all struggle to do the will of God as we should, give it our best effort, but it's just so much the better if we know who he is, if we know who he is and celebrate his name and then, and then work towards establishing the principles and the truths of his kingdom. He says, your will be done on earth, on this piece of earth, as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, some translations say, some of them say, give us this day, this is the one I like, our bread for tomorrow, uh, because there is sort of a rollover idea that you just like, you don't want to get up at six o'clock and be praying for the day's needs, but the Jewish day beginning and evening like it did, you can say, give us today what we're going to need in the immediate future, that's the idea. He says, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. I want you to see one more time, that that's a past tense. There's a, there's a present tense action required and a past tense action that's happened. You forgive us as we have forgiven. As we have forgiven. I mentioned briefly a moment ago that to forgive means to send away. And forgiveness, I've come to realize, is... Uh, not as simple as always making a decision about what you want to do, that you have to stand by that decision in your own vulnerability and weakness, but that you have to send thoughts away. I don't know if you've ever wondered about why it was so hard to forgive. I, I suppose everybody at some point has had somebody or something that was hard to forgive. Let's pretend like you did, because I have. Let's just pretend like it for a minute. And here's, here's the thing I know. I know... I know that unforgiveness is its own form of idolatry because unforgiveness will almost certainly lead you to thinking about the person or the thing that happened so much so to the exclusion of God's name, of God's truth over the matter. So it's a form of idolatry. It's a big thing to the Lord. It's also a big thing because it's, again, a form of idolatry because in the pain of my unforgiveness, in the pain of your unforgiveness, I suspect, 
didn't you didn't you didn't you feel like you needed to go take care of something because because you had to do that because you felt vulnerable that you were afraid that you wanted you wanted justice or vengeance because you you knew you had to control the future you had to protect your heart well the aspect that ties here is that that's a way of saying I just can't trust God to do this either in this life or in eternity. I have to take care of it now. So what, in one hand, you, you, enthrone, you, you dethrone God by saying, if I can take care of this, then I'm in charge. And the other way, if you don't forgive, you say that, uh, that God's been replaced by whatever it is you're afraid of. I hope that makes sense. So it's a big deal. So when God says you have to forgive, he's not just saying, I just want you people to be nice. I want you people quit fighting. I want you to settle down and be nice so people come to your nice church and know you're nice people and have nice things. He said, no, this is probably the hardest thing you'll ever do is come face to face with forgiveness so that you can say, okay, I am sending this away. This is out of my courtroom. This is beyond my jurisdiction. I've got no control over this. I'm letting this go because we've all been hurt. We've all been taken advantage of. Um, Translation from the early, early part of the 20th century says this, forgive us, it's a Weymouth translation, forgive us our shortcomings as we have forgiven those who failed in their duty towards us. I read this prayer for years and didn't realize what he was saying was that, David, you have come short with me. Some translations use the word trespass or transgressions. It's great. But he's saying there's two sides to it. Sometimes, David, you've come short with me. Sometimes, David, you've gone farther than what you should have. Sometimes, David, you've stood up and said, I said something I didn't quite say. Sometimes, David, you've presumed. Sometimes, David, in your, in your humanity, I'm not a bad guy, but in your humanity, you've just gone too far. Sometimes you didn't go far enough. And what you really need to do, David, is be right with me. And the way you need to be right with me is by asking me to forgive you for not doing what you should have done and for going too far when you should have gone or for doing the wrong thing. There's all sorts of applications there. There's are. I don't think we're having fun anymore. <laughs> Say something clever, Jake. Uh, we all want to be right with the Lord. We, we, we sang pointedly, poignantly. Uh, we sang about his name being high and lifted up. Well, that's, will, will you come be with us? Will you present yourself to us? He says, I absolutely will to establish my kingdom, to teach you how to do my will and show you what the rules of that kingdom are. And if you live like this, then even when you stumble and fall, even when you stumble and fall, all I expect out of you is that you treat others the way you expect me to treat you because I'm going to treat you like you treat others. Well, it's unfair. Well, you know, Dave, let me tell you frankly, I think it was unfair that you didn't do what I asked you to do. <laughs> I think it was unfair that you went too far. I think it was unfair to me, to my name, that you did things that weren't quite right. So we can all wash that away in a minute if you can just divorce yourself from the things that have offended you. Other people's words, other people's thoughts, 
if you can divorce yourself from your own self-judgment about your inadequacies and your wrongness. That's not to say that somebody might have to give an account for their life. He's coming back. We all have to give an account for our life. But it's just to say it's not mine to extract out of anybody. This all has to do with being loved. Just quickly, he goes on very quickly. And he says, forgive us our debts as we've also forgiven our debtors. And now the clear blue, he says, and, and is a connection word, right? Lead us not into temptation. You can look this up. It's mentioned the three main times here and two others that Jesus talked about faith. He talked about, he talked about forgiving or your faith wouldn't work. He talked about forgiving or not being forgiven. One place he said, if you don't forgive, your father may not forgive you. So it's a pretty big thing. He said, lead us not into temptation. Where does the temptation come from? I don't know. Do you ever walk around with anxiety and guilt and fear? You might want to think about that. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father also will forgive you. But, now Jesus said this, if you do not forgive men their trespasses, their shortcomings, their excesses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses, and you probably won't feel as greatly beloved as you need to sense that you are greatly beloved so that you can be free of fear, filled with peace, be strong and very courageous, and in the moment when you're alone and nobody really understands what you felt or what you've gone through, you can rise back up and do what Daniel did, carry on the conversation and look him right in the eye. I call you greatly beloved. I say his forgiveness is full and free and that by his spirit, he reminds you and strengthens you to forgive and to release all the things that have not been quite released and sent away. I've sent things away before, but that I've had to ask Gene to help me go find them. Where did I put that thing? I've put things away, I've thrown things away and gone to the dump to look for them. I've sent them away and remembered in my mind some other word that was said or some other fear that a reasonable person ought to have. This is the epitome of your faith when you can say, I send all my unforgiveness away and I let you love me with the great love that you have for me. Amen. Anything to say, my love? Father, we thank you. We thank you for what you start in our hearts. We thank you that as simple as this is, you renew our souls. You refresh our souls. I pray for these men and women, these boys and girls that are here, your children, that you'd revive your word, you'd revive your work, and that you would establish them in the truth of your righteousness. May they grow in grace. May they grow in wisdom. May they grow in knowledge. And may the love of God absolutely fill their hearts, the love that you have for them. May that love touch each of them now in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, I, I want to tell you a story right quick uh, from John 21. 
when I woke up this morning, began to pray about the service, actually I've been hearing this the last couple of days, this phrase kept coming to me. But, everybody say, but, you follow me. Yeah, I'll say it again. But, you follow me. John 21 tells us a story about Peter and the disciples leaving Jesus, and go, Jesus is gone, right? Jesus is gone, and, and uh, they're going fishing because they have things that have occurred in their life with his, the relationship with the Lord that they don't understand. And so Jesus, in his great love and his mercy for his people, comes and presents himself to Peter, and he asks the question to Peter, do you love me? And then Peter answers the question, and then Jesus tells him, three times Jesus tells him, asks him a question, and, and they have this conversation. And then he says, uh, he tells Peter how his life is going to go. And Peter says, well, what about him? And Jesus says to Peter, what's that got to do with you? What, what does my will with John have to do with you? You follow me. So every place in our life where we miss, where we hit the obstacle, where we run across the bump in our life, we are always presented with Jesus standing before us asking the question, do you love me? And then you follow me. No matter what the difficulty is, no matter what he set before us, no matter what's happened to us, no matter what he tells us is ahead of us, his question is, do you love me? Then you follow me. And it's in that place of submitting to him and acknowledging him. Yes, yes, Lord, I love you. That his grace and his mercy comes to us and enables us. So my prayer for you today is as David prayed that you would find that place of his mercy and grace so that you can receive the love that he pours out on you knowing that you are greatly beloved so that you can rest in grace and peace extend it to others and follow him amen amen thank you Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you are drawn closer to Jesus and that his spirit, his love, and his life are filling you right now. If you'd like more info about who we are and what we're doing at Hope City, head over to hopecitychurch.ca to find out more. And if you liked what you heard, head over to iTunes and rate the podcast to spread the word so others can hear too. And oh, one more thing before we go. We just want to remind you that you were made for hope. <laughs>